Hello, this is uh, Political Dharma, and I'm Alan. The opening music was from Joey Helpish and Patty Rose, entitled We Little Tot. And you can look for Patty Rose online. He has a number of other songs for sale and also for sampling. He has some really good stuff. I've made a couple of changes, or I'm making a couple of changes to this ever-evolving show. I hope it's evolving in some kind of positive direction and not just going through continual changes to no purpose. The first change is that I'm no longer going to live stream as I am live streaming right now. I found that I've attracted very few viewers out of the very few viewers I already had. and. Uh, it's not worth it for me to have to be here exactly at 9 o'clock in the morning if very few people show up, uh, or, very, or the very few who do show up have much to say or questions to ask. So the purpose of live streaming, as I understood it at the time, has not been met. On the other hand, I have learned a lot from using the technology, the software needed to do the live streaming, and I think this can be beneficial to me going forward in continuing to do this show. I will continue to do this show. I'm going to sit down on Saturdays and go through a, a half-hour presentation with no interruptions using this software in which I can edit in the software instead of taking it and doing most of the editing later. As usual, I just won't be live streaming it because the some, what do I have, about two dozen viewers and listeners between the podcast and the video on YouTube. Uh, you'll just be seeing it as usual, recorded for later consumption. I might do live streams again in the future if some reason presents itself that I would see, uh, see it as being useful to be enough people being attracted, enough for that, over-talking that point. So I'm not going to be doing the live streaming for the moment, not on a regular basis anyway, maybe for special events sometime in the future. That depends on how things develop. The other thing is I'm dropping the label Libertarian Socialism from my description uh, on the YouTube description box and on the podcast, which is kind of ironic because a video I made last year on my views of libertarian socialism in which I explain how I understand it and why I adhere to the principles of libertarian socialism is one of my best viewed videos. So over 300 views on YouTube where I usually get maybe 15 at, <laughs> at a high point, uh, no, 15, 20, sometimes it goes a little higher, but generally lately I've been around the 12 to 15 range, and this one is over 300 and it keeps growing. So there's interest in libertarian socialism, clearly, and I think my video has been one of the few that have that in its title, uh, that particular video, and so people see it and they check it out, and as the views grow, YouTube is probably boosting it in its algorithm for anyone who expresses an interest in libertarian socialism. But my reason for dropping that label, and now I'm just saying I'm a non-sectarian socialist or I have a non-sectarian socialist perspective, I hate to reduce people to labels as I just did to myself. 
I'm a human being and I have views that could fairly be characterized as socialist because I see capitalism as a fundamental problem around the world today and in the recent past as well. And I think it needs to be addressed specifically, clearly, and forthrightly that capitalism, the pursuit of profit by our economic institutions is a problem in a number of ways. But I found that using that label libertarian socialism associates me with many others who are using that label in a, to my mind, somewhat more dogmatic sense. And this is the problem I have with socialism in general, is when people want to become more, what, develop their thinking about socialism or their understanding of it, they go back to the early origins and they tend to fall into two categories, either Marxist socialist or libertarian socialist. And they stick to the way those trends of thought were developed 150 years or so ago and don't take the time to question whether they need revision after over 100 years of history and seeing what works and what doesn't and how things have changed over time, how our understandings have changed over time. And my complaint with libertarian socialists today is many of them simply reject any participation in electoral politics as upholding the authority of the state. And I don't see it that way at all. I see this as a viable strategy really in a, in a country like the United States where people see elections as the legitimate source of authority, even though it's clear to an awful lot of people our elections don't seem to make much difference in the kind of world we have, people still see those in authority as having gotten there by the vote. And if anyone would contend for change, they should put themselves in front of the public and stand for office and see how many people support them and try to persuade people through their words and demonstrate their reach of the, our, their ideas through uh, the votes they're able to attract. Now, I've been talking a lot about how our electoral system is flawed, and I'm not going to go into that right now again. What I do want to say, though, is just a wholesale rejection of electoral politics means you've foreclosed one of the chief means of getting your message out to other people and drawing people into a movement around a particular policy program. To try to do that outside of electoral politics doesn't seem to be very effective to me. And it doesn't mean that you have to be statist or believe that the uh, the mechanisms of the state, the institutions of organized violence to maintain, well, the proponents would say maintain law and order. Socialists would generally say to maintain class oppression, that is the control of one class of people, working people, people who have to rely on their labor for a living, by another class of people, people who have a great deal of wealth and invest it in business organizations. The state is a coercive mechanism for maintaining class rule. So the state has to change in some significant way or even be done away with. But to say that you can jump from here to there, you can just somehow 
conjure up a stateless society without going through a transition in which you recognize the reality of the state and its potential for violence against you and your movements, it's, to me seems rather short-sighted. So I don't want to associate myself with people who have thinking that differs from mine and prematurely foreclose conversations about these points. That is, if I say I'm a libertarian socialist, and that comes to mean to other people a particular uh, set of not even principles, but strategic, um, not even strategic choices. Well, strategic choices in the sense of we're not going to do this rather than what are you going to do. If you're ruling out a particular strategic path, I think you owe it to people to explain more fully why and not just assume that anyone that chooses a particular strategy is committed to an understanding of state and authority that differs from yours. That's uh, probably sounding more complex than I intended it to. But the idea is I find it problematic in socialism that we're still having debates that are based on premises that were set over 150 years ago when the economy and society were much different. You could envision small communities in which the surrounding countryside was capable of meeting the need for food of a city, and that city was capable of producing a lot of the products for that particular region. You could imagine a workers' movement that could take over that region and establish some kind of a anarchist society that is not a chaotic society, but a society in which people were able to build their own um, come to agreements about how they were or going to organize things and work things out as they went along. We have examples of this in history where people have actually done that, but that was on a small scale. We're now in a economy where our food doesn't come from surrounding areas so much as some of it comes from across the world. Uh, and we can see the disruption of those supply chains with the war in Ukraine and the how the lack of wheat is affecting food prices around the world. So long story short, I'm not going to use that label anymore. I haven't found a satisfactory label. Socialist still brings up ideas of Marxism principally, and uh, I have a lot of principled uh, objections to certain aspects of Marxism, not all of it. I'm not saying I'm for or against Marx. I'm simply saying he was a thinker of a long time ago, who had some important things to say that we should consider seriously and retain where they're still sound. But he also had a lot of ideas that have proven over time, at least in my opinion, not to be so sound or not to take account of advancing knowledge. Our understanding of science is different. Our understanding of history is different. Our uh, awareness of various attempts to advanced socialism, either through electoral politics or through revolution. have uh, We have a lot of examples of that and why it's failed and how it's failed and where it succeeded. So we should take all that into account rather than just saying we're going to follow dogmatically and in particular thinker of that far back in time. So I don't have a adjective to put in front of the type of socialism that I'm espousing, and I'm left with kind of the bland term, non-sectarian socialism. All right, why is this important? Because it's important to, in order to organize people, 
to have something to rally around, a set of principles, a policy program or a, uh, a program of some sort, a strategy for achieving that program, and even leadership, another boogeyman for the uh, more libertarian socialists. Again, I don't think he can jump from the society we currently live in where some people have a lot more experience and education, ability to articulate and engage in discussion and debate. I don't think you can jump to a world where suddenly everybody can talk together on equal terms, The uh, what's called uh, non-hierarchical, uh, what's the word about horizontal organizing, where everybody's on an equal plane in decision-making. It's never been that way. And when you try to pretend that we live in a world in which we're now capable of having everyone be equally involved in decision-making, uh, it doesn't work very well because we have unequal abilities to influence decision-making and influence each other. We need to train people and raise people up and give them those abilities rather than assuming that we can just suddenly have horizontal decision-making that's going to work well. So I know there's arguments on the other side. I'm not going to get into those today. What exactly I'm going to get into? I'm not even sure right now. I'm about halfway through this show already and just talking about changes in my own thinking so maybe what I should say is where I'm at right now, not just in terms of thinking, but what I'm doing. We've been in a pandemic for the last two years, and I'm nearly 70 years old, so I've been trying to be careful about going out and unnecessarily exposing myself to risks of catching the coronavirus um, because my family still depends on me for a lot of reasons. And... I owe it to them to try to protect my health and understand how to do that. Anyway, I've been spending a lot of time at home, but still I've been engaged. And this is the point I'm getting to, I guess, to say I'm not just theorizing, although I've been doing a lot of that, particularly on this show, words, words, words. Uh, I've been trying to keep in touch with various movements. Uh, I've been engaging in Zoom meetings involving Universal Basic Income, public banks here in Oregon, Star Voting, both here and in California. Not a lot has been going on in those areas. Some stuff has been going on, and I've tried to keep my finger in that and participate in meetings and offer to act when actions are needed. I've also been involved in the local Democratic Party as a precinct committee person. Uh, this goes back a few years to the reason that around the time of the Bernie Sanders campaigns, some people here in Oregon and across the country were trying to organize a movement to get more Bernie-supportive people involved in the Democratic Party so they could change the rules of uh, the presidential not primary process, the process of choosing the presidential nominee for the party. And so I joined or re-registered with the Democratic Party, became a precinct committee person, and tried to join into that hasn't advanced very far that I can see. I'm at the end of that. I didn't re-register for a to become a precinct committee person again. My term is up in about a month or so, so I won't be doing that. But I had been doing that, involved in local democratic politics, not to a large extent, but participating in the meetings. And lately, I've been more involved in the Democratic Socialists of America local chapter. It's uh, shrunk down from the height it had 
around the time of the Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez campaigns where people got very excited about socialism and the DSA was the one established socialist organization that people could get involved in. So people flocked to it. But then I think a lot of the enthusiasm waned and so it's shrunken down, which is not always a bad thing because it's easier to enter and get to understand what's happening in the, in the uh, organization and to get to know people and to help people organize to do things. Because when it's much larger and people come into an organization with all kinds of ideas about what socialism is or should be, then you just have a lot of bickering and fighting. So smaller scale is sometimes better, and then you can build on that. So I've been involved in the DSA again. But mostly I've been doing a lot of rethinking of things. I, my awareness of socialism goes back way back into the 1960s when I was a teenager and uh, the 1970s, uh, reading various pieces of literature that came my way. Uh, I was involved in the Kölner culture and socialism was in the air. There's a lot of discussion about, strange as it sounds, revolution. I guess we're still talking about that in these days, but Bernie's talking about a political revolution. Back then, people thought there was actually going to be some kind of revolution. A lot of us didn't think there was going to be, but we recognized that there was some kind of social revolution going on, if not political or economic. Um, losing my thread anyway. So I was aware of socialism, not real committed to it, just kind of sort of attracted to it. Uh, didn't understand it really well. Getting into the 80s, I started studying it more um, intentionally. Went to graduate school in political science, majoring in political philosophy. They call it political theory. And did a lot of reading of Marx and other socialists and the socialist history. Uh, but by the 1980s, socialism was no longer a thing. A lot of the socialist movements had been pretty much destroyed either through their own blunders and miscalculations or through police repression. Uh, I mean, socialist movements here in the United States, around the world, there was repression as well, much worse than here, although things that happened here were pretty bad at times. And it wasn't, you know, in the Reagan years and afterwards, it wasn't very much talked about. It wasn't in the public conversation as much. And there wasn't... Uh, any strong socialist organizations to be involved in. So it didn't seem like it was a very viable um, path forward. People were very well aware of the problems of the Soviet Union and Stalinism. It wasn't a very attractive option anymore for a lot of people. And me, among others, tried to look for other pathways, at least to make some advances. I got involved in other things. And it's just in the last few years as Bernie Sanders uh, rehabilitated the word socialism, that I started delving back into socialist theory. Uh, I'll do, one day I'll do a whole program on Marx and my views of Marx because he's such an important thinker to the socialist movement and I have key differences with him. I've actually started to reread his writings to make sure I understand them because after having not read them much for nearly 30 years or so, I'm not sure if my understanding then was very deep, probably not, almost certainly not, and I think I can better appreciate where he's coming from. I also have more of a uh, context to put his thinking within because I know more about history now, more about political philosophy in general, and have more political experience myself. 
So I've been rereading Marx, and I will bring to you a program on Marx sometime in the near future, talking about his ideas and where I dissent from them. But this is a long way of going around to say, you know, what can be done at this point in time? As I look at the news, and I see we are once again in a place of hawks calling for escalation of war on the fanatical unproven dogmatic assumption that having a great deal of power to destroy things and people can bend other countries to your will. That's so many counterexamples that disprove that thesis, yet people still revert to it in times of crisis. People actually calling for escalating the war in Ukraine as though Russia can be defeated. Maybe Russia will collapse, maybe not. Maybe Putin will decide that he's going to send nuclear weapons our way rather than watch his country collapse from within, from sanctions and the rest. Or it may just drive him into the arms of the Chinese. Or it may ruin the economy, the world economy, once again, and deliver us all into a period of chaos and social strife that's even worse than the one we've been going through. So bad things are happening. Nobody knows where this is headed. A lot of us like to speculate and try to think our way through it so we can find a way forward. And that's what the show has been trying to focus on. This is what I've been trying to focus on, is what is not, if not the way forward, what are sensible ways forward. Maybe not all of them will work, but at least which ones show some promise. And I think at, at this stage, as it seems the pandemic may be waning and the uh, springtime is here and everybody feels eager to go out again, I, I think it's time to start trying to organize again and meet with people again. And the vehicle for organizing, I'm not sure what it's going to be. I think it will probably have to be a political party, but a party which does not necessarily register legally as a party in any state that it organizes in, because that's kind of a kiss of death given our electoral laws, but a party that articulates a clear program, gives people a way to connect with other people around that program and is able to cultivate leaders who have a good understanding of what it's about and can effectively um, speak, speak well, articulate, organize, that kind of thing. I think it'll take something like that, a organization with a definite character. Now, there's been a lot of attempts to do this and I've, in the past, I think, talked about why I think they've been uh, unsuccessful. And one of the big reasons is simply that. They tried to become a political party prematurely without changing the electoral laws, which means they automatically get marginalized and no one takes it seriously. So that rather than propagating their program, their program becomes associated with a bunch of losers uh, effectively. Uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like those people are losers in any personal sense. I just mean that they can't get much support in the elections, so they look to the general public like a people who are advancing, or not even advancing, but trying to promote a, a losing platform. 
Well, obviously, I'm rambling on this show because uh, I'm still trying to think through all this stuff. And I'm not sure where I'm at today other than saying that, once again, I've changed my self-label, self-identification. Once again, I'm making alterations to this show. I'm going to keep up the show because I think I still have something to say. And I think maybe as things develop this springtime and summer, uh, I will have more of substance to share with you as I get involved. I am going to a conference on the basic income in June, and I can report back on that. And I will probably be moving from Oregon to California within a year, which is one of the reasons I've been reluctant to try to do much organizing for something new or something different, or even fully commit myself to an existing organization because I don't think I'll be around to follow through on that. Um, so I'm kind of waiting for the uh, for it to become clear whether my wife and I are going to move out of this area into another area. And in the meantime, just trying to think through this stuff along with you. And uh, not even a half an hour and I'm by myself running out of steam. Again, I thank you who have borne with me as I talk myself into a corner and realize <laughs> that the way forward is still pretty darn obscure and probably will be for a while. But I do have some inclinations or some intimations of what needs to be done here in the United States. And I think things will have to happen because people are going to feel the effects of the uh, turmoil in the economy soon. I mean, not just inflation, but how the dollar is going to be affected, how international trade is going to be affected. The reserve currency of the dollar is probably going to be affected. These sanctions against Russia are not going to just hurt Russia. They're going to be blowback toward our own banking system as other countries see that, you know, if they become too reliant on the dollar, they become vulnerable to sanctions from the United States. So we're going to see a lot of changes in the economic world. We're seeing them now. They haven't stopped for a few years where we might see the election of a Republican Congress this fall. And I will not mince words. It's become a haven for fascists and white supremacists. Uh, it's only the, what, the fecklessness of the National Democratic Party and the over-reliance on corporate money that has made them, what, a, a totally, uh, not a totally, but a, a, a very ineffective, I, I'm searching for words here, wall against the rise of fascism in the United States. And other, the Democrats have not been very successful at what, what should be an easy task countering fascism in the United States, presenting a program that's more in line with other American values. I'm not going to say certain kinds of authoritarianism and white supremacists are not American. Uh, they're here and they're a long history of them, but there's also American values about equality and uh, democracy and everybody having opportunity. Those values are something that we should uphold and that the Democratic Party claims to uphold, but they can't even seem to do that well. 
Now, what's that about? I've talked about that before. Before, I'm sure you have your own ideas about it. You don't need me preaching about it to see that they haven't been very successful. Yeah. I wanted this to be more upbeat program and not simply discouraging. I'm not feeling discouraged, oddly enough. I'm just rambling because I'm not sure what I want to say today. But I do feel more inspired as the springtime comes around, as the coronavirus seems to wane. I think there'll be more activity. Even though things look like they're going to get really hard, I think that usually results in a lot more efforts to make change and the awareness and recognition that it can't wait, that you can't just hold back to see how things go. There has to be people involved in moving this forward and committing themselves to moving it forward. So I'm committed to it. I hope you are too. Uh, like to hear from you. I don't even know who you all are who are watching this show or why you're watching this show if you are watching this show. But I thank you for checking in and listening to me ramble today. Uh, next week, I'm not sure what the show will be about, but I hope it's a little more put together. Uh, or maybe not. I, I mean, do you really care? You're watching anyway, right? If you've gotten this far, I guess it's not too, you know, you don't object too strongly to, to the way I've been going on today. Thanks for listening, and uh, please do share me, uh, share some thoughts with me. Put some comments on the Political Dharma YouTube channel. Uh, let me know something about yourself so I can know why you're watching, what you get out of this, if anything, or what you think about it. Uh, would be great to hear from you. Otherwise, I'll just keep putting these things out there until I get a better idea about what else I can do that would be more effective. So coming up, I'll be talking about Marx at some point. I'll be talking about the Universal Basic Income Conference at some point. And whatever else comes up in the meantime, hopefully some more um, action-oriented shows rather than simply theoretical or historical or philosophical or completely incoherent. <laughs> as today seems to have been. So thanks for watching. Uh, please come back and uh, see what's up next week. Bye.